It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guestman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guestman, coming to you from COG Studios on Tuesday, July 2nd. That's right, a Tuesday, not a Monday, as I just got back from a little vacation up in uh, Northern California Bay Area. Glad to be back. The LA Galaxy, however, probably glad to be back as well. Losing 3-0 to the San Jose Earthquakes. Certainly going to talk about that game and uh, give you my thoughts on it, seeing it there in person at Stanford Stadium. Uh, and then the LA Galaxy getting ready for the July 4th matchup against Toronto FC coming up at Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, again, I think 23 seasons now uh, in a row that the LA Galaxy have hosted a July 4th game, and so they get Toronto FC for the second time on July 4th uh, in those two clubs' history. So it uh, should be an interesting matchup. Some player rumors to talk about, certainly. Uh, some training updates as well as we get you ready for this Thursday night match against Toronto FC. So a lot of uh, interesting stuff going on with the LA Galaxy. Not the way that I think everybody expected the Galaxy to go up to San Jose and react, however. And uh, while I don't think the score is indicative of the way the LA Galaxy played, I'll certainly tell you that uh, the the, the scoreline hurts. It, it should hurt the LA Galaxy. And uh, I'll tell you just from the post-game comments that you got from players, it seemed like they were quickly changing the topic. I feel like this hurt a lot more than it did, but it didn't hurt because... It was San Jose. It should have been. Um, but it didn't hurt because it was San Jose. It was hurt because the Galaxy you really seemed to confuse themselves uh, throughout this match and, and, and really put together a, a subpar effort. We're going to talk about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, his comments afterwards, I'm going to tell you why uh, his comedy act that he's putting out right now is, is probably uh, reminiscent or, or at least indicative of the fact that the LA Galaxy are a frustrating team to watch. Um, but the LA Galaxy uh, do get outscored, certainly, in San Jose. 3 nothing is the final scoreline. I know uh, I'm sure a bunch of you don't want to go back over this game, but I think there's a lot of stuff that we can sort of break down and take a look at as we're going. I should mention again that uh, no Kevin Baxter, no Panda as well, uh, still in France uh, covering the Women's World Cup. That uh, is wrapping up here shortly, I believe, on July 7th, uh, coming up on Sunday, where the U.S. Women's National Team will face one of two teams um, either Sweden or the Netherlands, and that game gets played tomorrow as I'm recording on a Tuesday night. Um, so just uh, to understand, he will be back uh, coming up in July. Kevin will be back, and so we'll get back to our, our normal recording schedules probably on Mondays, uh, depending on games and all that fun stuff. But when Kevin gets back, we'll have him on the show here shortly. All right, LA Galaxy 3-0 losers to San Jose um, for a game that is certainly lopsided in the score. Uh, three nothing, three goals. Galaxy don't score a single goal. When you look at the stats, when you look at what happened on the field, and from what I saw uh, sitting high above the field in the press box there at Stanford Stadium, um, I felt like the game was really even whenever you look at this. Um, I think San Jose dominated the first 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes of the game. Uh, you're going to hear from Dave Romney. Um, that I'll go over his quotes, and, and you sort of hear that you know there's some of the situations that San Jose, San Jose does and the situations they put themselves in are, are different than really the Galaxy you get used to. So there was some adjustment period there, even if you know it's coming. Um, which teams throughout Major League Soccer now have sort of been, uh, you know, awoken to the fact that you even know it's coming. When 
until you play against it, you don't really understand. And it's really the man-marking scheme of Almeida and, and, and what San Jose has been able to do. Remember San Jose, a total dumpster fire at the beginning of this year. Um, now going on a relative tear as they quickly climb up the standings of the Western Conference. And any team that gets hot at the right time can climb up the, re- the, the, the standings pretty quickly. San Jose sitting in fifth place, just six points behind the LA Galaxy right now. Um, there isn't much that separates probably the 12th team in Major League Soccer right now, Sporting Kansas City, um, in the Western Conference from the second team, the LA Galaxy. Um, really, it's just a matter of uh, probably staying a little bit more healthy. But when you look at the goal differentials and whenever you're looking at, at different things, the only team that has really separated themselves uh, lost over the weekend, uh, and that's LAFC. So looking at all this, the LA Galaxy you know, maintains sort of their position um, but understand that the gap and the difference between teams in the Western Conference and probably even in the Eastern Conference is, is hair thin um, this year, and it's going to be continue to be thin, and I think you're going to see weird results as the season plays out. The predictability of whether or not the Galaxy will stay in that upper portion of the Western Conference from their results so far, sort of what we've seen, maybe not, but you know, you have to look at, you know, a three-game losing streak at home, but a three-game winning streak on the road that got smashed. Um, you know, now did the Galaxy go and win games on at home again? So all those things are sort of fitting into it, um, and, and that's really sort of the story of this game, that the difference is, you know, sort of a hair difference. Obviously, the LA Galaxy, whenever they score first, um, are unstoppable. I believe they're 9-0-0 whenever they score first. Uh, yeah, 9 0 this season when scoring the game's opening goal, um, and 1-7-0 when conceding the first goal. They lead it when they're leading at halftime. The LA Galaxy are 6-0-0. Uh, they're 4-2-0 when tied at halftime. So you look at all this. As soon as San Jose was able to sort of get a weird set piece goal in the 11th minute, and that's what it is. It's a deflection that comes back out to a player that shouldn't have been involved in the play. Um, but Quasarfili is a really good player in this. I mean, he was an, a, an aggressor in, entirely for San Jose the entire night. The Galaxy were lucky really to contain him and only get him, um, you know, one goal. He also had an assist in this particular game as well. Um, so you look at what he was able to do and sort of how he was able to go about it. Um, and I would say the Galaxy had a lot of success in containing him. I think the Galaxy had a lot of success in containing San Jose as it was overall. Um, but the deflected goal on a set piece, the ball actually goes in. I think it gets deflected off of Dan Stairs, who gets his foot on it. Um, as he's marking somebody that actually comes underneath his mark um, and goes off his foot and bounces off to uh, Kwasarshvili and, and, and he shoots and he scores. Um, it was a good shot from outside. It was one of those that you sit there and say, okay, you know, you sort of tip your hat. But that was indicative of probably the first 30 minutes of that match or maybe the first 25 minutes of the match, but it is certainly not indicative of the entire game because the LA Galaxy basically from the last 25 minutes of the first half all the way through probably 30 minutes of the second half um, we're competing in this game, and this is a one nothing game going all the way into the 82nd minute. Uh, the Galaxy have Zlatan Ibrahimovic up top. You had Emmanuel Boateng and and uh, and and Fabio Alvarez sitting in the center, and Sebastian Legette. Really, an unchanged lineup whenever you look at it from the week before against Cincinnati, and they had a full week off. This really set up nicely for the Galaxy. Corona and Kitchen in the center of uh, midfield. Uh, you had Romney, Polenta, Steras, and Araujo there back there as well. I thought everybody in the defensive side of things had a pretty good night. Again, I'm certainly not going to look at a game that is one nothing in the 82nd minute and say that the defense was horrible. The defense was not horrible. The midfield could have controlled a little bit better, but if you look at the adjustments the Galaxy made in the second half, I think that you have to tip your hat in terms of Guillermo Barrasclotos sort of 
they're figuring out how to play against the man-marking system that Almeida plays against. And Scalotto goes out there and says, hey, listen, this is what I want you to do. And he goes out and he implements uh, you know, a plan that maybe could have been a little bit better. But here's the deal. And here's the entire crux of the night. This is a simple one to sort of understand. And Zlatan said it after the game. If we played the way that we should have played, it was a simple game. He's not wrong. This was a simple game. The Galaxy didn't get any offensive chances. Very A couple half chances. A couple little things here and there. Uh, in the first half, he had Zlatan Ibrahimovic dropping so far back into the midfield that Perry Kitchen was above him, that Dave Romney and, uh, and, and Araujo, Julian Araujo, were also um, up above him. Um, there were so many, he was one of three players back. That's how deep he came back. And he came back because he said he wasn't finding the ball. This has to be something that Guillermo just drives him crazy because you can say that Zlatan, oh, Zlatan was trying to get something going. So he dropped deep to get the ball, but really you can't have him be that creator because if he's the creator, there is no offensive threat out there. Uh, Sebastian Legette eventually leaves this game injured. He has been injured. This seems like it's just a continuation of that injury, although it is supposedly a new injury as well. So it, and they're calling it a, a pelvis injury of some sort, I believe right now, although I think afterwards they were saying it was some sort of uh, hamstring or, or, or groin issue um, there during the game. So you had Legette um, out there who was not a threat. You had Boateng, who is Emmanuel Boateng. I mean, I don't think he had a bad night, but he didn't have a great night, and you needed him to have another great night like he did against FC Cincinnati, and that didn't happen. Um, San Jose is a better team than is going to allow, you know, sort of Emmanuel Boateng to do things. And quite honestly, his pace was not as separating as it normally is against other teams whenever you had guys like, uh, like Thompson, Tommy Thompson in there, and... Um, you know, some other sort of speedy guys. Uh, Judson in the midfield um, slowed Boateng down. So there were guys who were slowing Boateng down, and that was really sort of forcing uh, his speed much more out wide. Um, and then whenever you have Zlatan Ibrahimovic playing the creator, dropping back into that central role, but not being up on the line, what happens whenever Emmanuel Boateng goes wide? is there's nobody there to do it. And you saw it. He had about two or three picture-perfect crosses to this position that somebody should have, be, should, should have been in. The closest one came to Fabio Alvarez. Um, I don't know if it was in the first half or second half. Let me see. I'm trying to remember which way everybody went. Um, second half. Uh, it was it was a perfect, picture-perfect sort of cross, cut it back, put it on the ground to where Fabio Alvarez should have been, and Alvarez was about a yard shy of being on time there um, and didn't get to the ball. But that was one of the biggest looks or one of the greatest looks that the LA Galaxy had in the entire night. They had five shots from inside the box, six total shots um, on goal. Whenever you look at this game, so um, yeah, nine shots on target for San Jose, six shots on target for the LA Galaxy, five of those six shots from the LA Galaxy came inside the box, and you can't tell me one of those was a dangerous chance. Half chances, they're not creating the offense, and, and this is, you know, this is Zlatan dropping back and not being part of the offense, and then this is the LA Galaxy not creating enough space and not creating enough dangerous looks from outside to know that, to, to force anybody to come off of Zlatan Ibrahimovic even a little bit. Uh, we've talked about the lack of offensive options, the offensive danger. When the LA Galaxy were always at their prime, it was because they had multiple offensive options that were dangerous. You couldn't plant yourself on one. Right now, the answer has been and will always be until they get somebody else, and, and certainly Ramon Alessandrini missing is hurting. Um, Ola Kamara not being there is hurting. 
Um, all of those things are hurting and the fact that Sebastian Lejet has been injured and hasn't been playing up to his caliber. Uh, the fact that Joe Corona isn't much of an offensive uh, threat right now. The fact that Jonathan Del Santos isn't playing and isn't much of an offensive threat, although I think he should be more of one. Uh, or El Antuna not playing is certainly a reason that everything sort of keys off of, uh, of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You're seeing a neutered LA Galaxy team right now. Um, and you're seeing one that is frustrating to watch because they're not creating clear chances whenever they're they're gaining the advantage. And I think they had a lot of advantages in this game that they should have capitalized on, and not one of them came to a to, to sort of a head to a good look on goal. Um, you know, Sebastian Legette coming out doesn't help this at all. Um, at halftime, Legette looked like he was going to go back out there. Remember, this was the same Sebastian Legette who uh, Eric and I were talking about asked out of training um, last Thursday and sort of said, hey, I'm tired, I should rest. And, and this was a guy who's not 100%. And because of the lack of bodies, this is a guy who really... They needed to play, and he, they played him too much, and, and now he's injured. And so, uh, you know, Sebastian Legette, I would imagine, is out for a little while again. Um, so you, you see all these things. I thought one of the the better sort of subs that you saw, in, in and it doesn't rarely happen in this, but even putting uh, Zubak up top was a better sort of look than just having Fabio Alvarez underneath, having two forwards with Slothon at the latter stages of this game. Um, you know, really probably probably could have helped. Now you say that, and as soon as really the, the LA Galaxy go ahead and make that sub, you know, San Jose comes in with that second goal. Once the second goal, and everybody agrees, talk to Guillermo afterwards, talk to Zlatan afterwards, um, the 82nd minute, that goal goes in, the game's over. Um, and the game's over because they you're risking things. Um, you're risking things if you get, you're the LA Galaxy. You're trying to get that goal back. You're committing numbers forward. Uh, losing one nothing is is fine, um, but if you're not trying to tie that game up on the road, you know at Stanford Stadium in the 80th minute, if you're not trying to push forward and get a goal, then you know what's the point of playing the game? You just want to sit there and lose one nothing. In my mind, it's always worth it to try to push up there, and if it ends up being two, then you know what it ends up being two. But you have to risk some things going forward if you're trying to do it. And the Galaxy committed numbers forward through much of the second half and didn't get burned until about the 82nd minute. So again, defensively, I thought they were doing their job. I thought that they were stymieing San Jose. San Jose had 25 shots, um, but only nine of those were on target. So they had a whole bunch that were pushed wide or blocked um, and really kept away from you know the, uh, David Bingham and the, and the LA Galaxy goal. And when you look at possession, um, for a team that was at home in front of 50,000 people, uh, possessions just barely tilted towards the San Jose Earthquakes by about 5%, uh, 52.6 to 47.4. So um, for an LA Galaxy team that doesn't normally do well with possession, they were able to possess the ball and move the ball around against a good San Jose team for a large portion of that match. Even whenever you go back and look at the timing intervals, it sort of shows that San Jose was winning all of the different intervals, but they're winning them you know, by a little bit on each of these, or it was even for a lot of it. So uh, in my mind, a choppy game, but a game that the Galaxy very well could have won one, uh, should have probably had a draw from, um, but end up losing three nothing, which is hard to sort of put your you know wrap your mind around. Whenever you look at you know the Tommy Thompson goal, which I think should still be an own goal, um, you know just the the whipped in sort of shot and the deflection that goes in past Dave Bingham, that was sort of the 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 epitome of the Galaxy's night in that particular case. Um, nobody had a great night. That that's sort of the 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 big thing here. 
Um, I don't think anybody had a great night. I think that there were a lot of reaches. I mean, Diego Polenta for me, um, you know, poor passes throughout the night and, and certainly tried a lot of long balls and, and didn't keep a bunch of possession. Um, maybe Araujo, maybe Julian Araujo had a good night. I thought Dave Romney on the left had an okay night as well. Uh, Joe Corona was a little MIA, but I thought he played fine in this game. I thought Boateng played fine in this game. The problem is I don't have any standouts here. Uh, for all the people complaining that Zlatan Ibrahimovic isn't trying, you haven't watched Zlatan play very much ever, I'm guessing. Um, he is a guy who's not a hustle guy. He's not going to go out there and run everything. He, he, he sort of subscribes to, and uh, maybe he would, he would not like me saying this, but he subscribes to the Barcelona or, you know, run little, run smart. Um, and that's a poor translation of really what they're trying to get across. But basically it's like, don't run if there's no reason to run. Uh, for you, you want to use your bursts of speed in an economical way. And for a 37-year-old, who's out there running, and speaking as a 37-year-old, almost 38-year-old, I'm telling you, uh, our bursts are short. Um, we don't have that long term in there. And, you know, that sort of leads to questions about where Ibrahimovic's head is right now. I mean, last year, I think he sort of defied uh, gravity, defied age, uh, whenever you look at what he was able to do and, and the level that he was able to put at. I, I still think that he has that this year. Um, I just think that it has to be used more sparingly and that he's using it more sparingly because he doesn't have a bunch in him. I mean, I think we're seeing the decline of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. We all remember whenever Robbie Keane got old and sort of the decline of Robbie Keane. Um, you know, Robbie Keane's a different player. Robbie Keane is a hustle player. But with Zlatan Ibrahimovic at 37, I, I think there's still some some question marks about whether or not this is his last season and whether or not his body can really hold up. I said it after the game, and we'll certainly you know talk a little bit more about this as as we go through sort of my big notes that I wanted to wanted to touch on from this game. Um, I said it throughout this game, or after this game, I said something's wrong with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now. I, I said that there was no inside info. I have no inside info. There's nothing going on. He hasn't told me that he's injured. Um, but he's either injured or his age is really catching up to him. Um, he's not as dynamic as in movement. Uh, he's not as quick, quick-paced. Um, his cuts aren't as sharp. Um, so there's little declining by degrees everywhere whenever you look at Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And at 37 years old, I think you would expect that. But I still think that the main issue is that he, there's not another offensive weapon out on this field right now for the LA Galaxy. And that is causing all that focus to go to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And if he's focused on and if he's constantly harassed and if there's no shift in coverage because nobody's ever worried about somebody else shooting from outside, from inside, from anywhere else. If Zlatan can't run to the near post and open up somebody like like Ola Kamara or he can't open up for somebody like Roman Alessandrini or Sebastian Legette or Joe Corona or Jonathan Dos Santos. If he can't pull people away from the ball, then he's never going to be able to get the ball as well, especially not right now. Um, it, it just doesn't seem like that's, that's the way that this is going to go. But again, looking at this, I, I think all the Galaxy said it, and I think this was the sort of the one truthful thing that you got from everybody, uh, talking to Dave Romney, talking to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and I'll tell you all about how behind the scenes, how that all worked. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and, uh, and talking to Guillermo, talking to all three of those guys, you sort of got the thing. The only thing that they were really, I think, truthful about right up in front, and, and this was sort of the thinking, or I, there, there, there were probably two things. Number one is the Galaxy weren't outplayed. They didn't feel they got outplayed. My eyes told me they didn't get outplayed. The scoreline shows they got outscored, but they weren't outplayed or run off the field or anything else. Um, Stanford's a house of horrors for the LA Galaxy. Continues to be that way. Um, you know, however that is, winning on the road's hard. We know that. That's how it goes. But the Galaxy didn't get outplayed in this game. 
Um, I think that's true. The other thing I, I think that they're all sort of being very truthful about is they want to turn the page as quickly as possible and look at look at Toronto on Thursday. I don't think there's anybody who's lingering on this Toronto game saying, uh, or, or on the San Jose game saying, oh, we would need to really think about this one. And why. No, everybody quickly turned the page. I think it was probably because uh, the loss and the scoreline shows such an inequity with what the Galaxy actually did on the night that it's frustrating to think about. Um, I think frustration is is one of the things that, that you really see. Let's get to um, just a couple comments I thought that were interesting. I want to touch on Zlatan Ibrahimovic, of course, um, because he's going out there. He's got a good act that he's putting out right now. Um, and you could tell it. And standing there talking to him, I could feel it. And, you know, you try to get some of his stuff out of him, um, and sometimes there's, there's no going on it. Um, here's Dave Romney after the game talking about San Jose. Uh, he says they're a weird team to play against. They play man-to-man, so just getting used to that the first couple of minutes was weird. I've never seen a team just straight-up play man-to-man in my career. Once we figured it out, we kind of spread the field wa- field as wide as we could, got guys dropping into the midfield, turning. That created a lot of space for us. Probably once we did that, we started playing okay, creating chances. I never said we had any full-on, full-on chances. We had a lot of half chances, I guess. Uh, cleaner offense starts with us building out of the back. I wasn't afraid offensively of anything, so it's a team thing. It's not like it's the forwards or anything like that. Um, so yeah, there's there's Dave Red talking about the man marking. The the man marking is is interesting, um, and it's thrown a whole bunch of teams for a loop. And like I said, sort of in the opening, there is until you play against and sort of understand it. Um, it's it's a little unsettling to play against, and so that certainly shows you know San Jose's dominance probably in the first 25 minutes of that match or first 15 minutes of that match for sure. Um, it was the Galaxy sort of getting getting used to it. And unlucky to give up that 11-minute goal that now means the Galaxy have to chase. Um, so all those things sort of sort of put it out. Um, I think the Galaxy did. I, again, I want to give credit to, to GVS. Spreading the field wide, um, allowing the, the team then pulling their marks wide sort of in that man marking. If you're going to do that, you're like, okay, come follow me all the way out here. Um, it allowed and opened up space for the LA Galaxy. It allowed it for the inside. You know, this should have been a game where Fabio Alvarez possibly could have gotten a goal because of that space inside once you're spreading the field. Um, Emmanuel Boateng, if he's two feet taller, probably gets a goal in this game. I mean, there's just, there's, there's, there were chances in this game for the LA Galaxy to have some success. Uh, they had done a lot of the hard work, the grinding work they needed to do to have success in this game, and they didn't pull it off. And that's the frustrating part behind this. And that's sort of, you know, you look at uh, at Dave Romney and sort of talking about that. He's talking about the difficulty and sort of adjusting, and they made that adjustment. The fact they didn't get anything from that has to be frustrating. Um, it has to be frustrating for the Galaxy, and it certainly has to be frustrating for the fans that are watching it as well. Uh, let me give you a little behind the scenes of Stanford Stadium, sort of my day, and then we'll get into Zlatan's quotes and and the lovely country of Sweden messing with my sanity um, and, you know, just sorts of some of the other fun things. Um, I was able to walk from Palo Alto. I, I went up on Friday morning with my wife. Um, we were staying at a hotel in sort of downtown Palo Alto there. Um, nothing expensive or luxurious because it didn't have air conditioning. It was, think, was built in the 1920s, but it was still a cool kind of place to be. Um, in, in downtown there. So uh, for, for game night, I was able to walk from my hotel room to the stadium, uh, got there, no problems, got in, 
Uh, Stanford Stadium is a cool place in terms of, hey, that's kind of a cool stadium, and it's cool to be on the, the campus of Stanford. Um, and there are tons of people there, certainly whenever you're walking up and, and doing all that. And, you know, I know all the supporters groups traveled, I think, over 600 plus. Uh, there's already a, a sort of effort, and I'll say maybe not even a, a, a formalized effort, but I'm sure Chris will talk about it on his podcast uh, on the L.A. Riot Squad as well. But he's saying, you know, if, if you really put your mind to it, could you get a thousand people up for this game uh, from the L.A.? Yeah, you should be able to. Um, you, 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 there's, there should be no reason not to. And quite honestly, you'd fill up their stadium a little bit more because despite the fact that they showed that there were 50,800 people there, um, there's still plenty of seats available. There's no, by no means is that ever a sellout. Um, they did some weird card tricks, um, sort of at halftime. They were, they were celebrating Apollo 11 and the moon landing and the 50th anniversary of that. Um, so, you know, that was cool. It was, it was interesting in terms of how you tie that all in with, you know, the Bay area. And certainly, uh, there were people associated with that within the Bay area and, and what that has to do sort of at a, a soccer game, um, from the press box side of things, there's granite countertops in the press box, but, uh, it's not that nice. Um, I, I don't know. It was weird. Uh, there was cheering going on in the press box. Each one of those uh, San Jose Earthquakes goals had cheering going on, which is different because in most uh, press boxes in the United States, that's not allowed. But a lot of times that's a cultural thing more than anything. Um, if you go down to Latin America, a lot of times you can there's cheering in press boxes, that type of thing. It was just weird to sort of have it in that sort of a formalized setting um, in the, within the United States. Usually that's a no-no within the United States. But again, just just sort of interesting sort of take backs. Uh, the crowd was, was, you know, there. There was an F-16 flyover to start it that I didn't know about and almost killed my eardrums um, as it reverberated inside the press box there. Uh, you could certainly hear the LA Galaxy fans were off to my left, um, and so you could hear them, you know, as loud as sort of could be, and, and you know, that wasn't uh, that wasn't messed with or anything like that. So uh, the game gets over with 3 nothing loss. The LA Galaxy, uh, you know, disappointed. They head to the locker room. I make the long sort of trek over to a building that sort of sits outside the stadium but is within the stadium grounds. Uh, that's where the locker rooms are. The, the Quakes dress in, I think, the bottom locker room. The Galaxy dress in the top locker room. Once I finally figured out where I was going, uh, I actually found my way to where the LA Galaxy were. Now, the game ends at about, it was a 7.08 start time. You figure the game ends right around 9. I want to say I didn't leave there until about 10.45, and that was just with the interviews. Uh, the amount of time it took to get everything sort of lined up and in order was inordinately long. Um, and I think that's probably okay because the big thing that you had there were the fireworks, which were basically being shot off over top of my head uh, while we were waiting for players to come out and sort of do their interviews and while the players were sort of were headed back to the bus and, and getting ready. And the Galaxy um, stayed down in San Jose. They did not stay up in Palo Alto. Um, so they actually bussed up from San Jose in order to get to the game and had to bus back from Palo Alto uh, back down. It's not that long. I think 25, 30 minutes is probably, you know, uh, with traffic and everything. I'm trying to think of how long it took me from the airport to sort of get up to Palo Alto. I want to say, you know, it wasn't that long. Um, I didn't have any traffic. I don't know if the Galaxy hit any traffic on the Saturday, but, you know, it seems like everything sort of happened in, in that way. But the fireworks were being shot off over our head, and we're in a porch that's basically a covered porch that reverberated an echo. Poor Megan Riza over there for Spectrum Sportsnet tried to do an interview with Dave Romney while these fireworks are going off in the finale. They had to like scratch that and restart it in order to do it. It was one of the most torturous things that I've ever had to sort of go through as the fireworks would go off again, just about, you know, I don't know, 500 feet from me. 
um, where they were launching on that side of the stadium. They're about 500 feet away, and then you're getting the reverberation inside of this, and then you're trying to sort of ask questions and do all this stuff, and thankfully, you know, it took long enough uh, for the Galaxy to come out that the fireworks were actually over uh, by the time we all did it, but the last guy we talked to was Guillermo Barrochicoloto, and I don't think I got done with that until about 10.35, so 90 minutes afterwards, after the game, really, uh, you're seeing the Galaxy talk, and I think that's a that's sort of a indication of a couple different things um and and one of the big things for me is the fact that the galaxy you know i don't think they were happy with uh with the res- I, well i know okay no duh they're not happy with the result but i don't think they wanted to come out and talk to us um I don't think they were trying to avoid us, but I just think they were trying to avoid having to do it for as long as possible. Uh, I don't know if Guillermo said anything to the guys afterwards, and that took a while. I'll tell you that even as I made my way down to the locker room, and this was about 15 minutes after the game, uh, Guillermo was still out there talking, um, you know, talking to a bunch of different people, and, and so that was sort of interesting. There was a San Jose Sharks um, hockey player there, uh, Markison. Am I saying that? I know I'm going to get it wrong, and I can't remember what his name was standing there, but uh, he was there waiting to talk to. He's Swedish, and he wanted to talk to Zlatan, um, which was kind of an interesting thing, and if you've ever seen Zlatan, take some time. So he was he was sitting there with his, uh, with his with with this guy and his son and sort of taking his time, and it was just interesting to see two professional athletes um, you know, sort of talking, and, and Zlatan is really a good guy. He talked to all the press and did all that stuff and then goes and talks to this guy for probably about a good five, six, seven, eight minutes, totally dedicated that time, and everybody sort of left him alone him do that so that was interesting but again you know the behind the scenes of this is that it took a really long time to get through all these interviews and to get through all this stuff done and the interviews that we did get with Zlatan were not weird um you sort of expect this from Zlatan but it was clear at least in my mind that he didn't want to talk about the game um you know Guillermo wants to talk about the game Dave Romney wants to talk about the game but you know Zlatan comes out as soon as he wants to talk and he says hey you know you know did this did this loss hurt and Zlatan says no I don't think it does I uh, I experienced and I learned that regular season is not important. The playoffs are, are is is important. We have to switch on to playoff mode when the playoffs comes. That's something that adrenaline has taught me. That regular season is not important. Playoff is very important. And he's actually he says that's something that, that reporters taught me. Um, that the regular season is not important. Playoff is the, is very important. Um, this is that continuation of Thursday whenever Zlatan had the discussion with the journalist whenever he was talking about the regular season and what it looks like. And, and the guys who were sort of talking to him, I think Larry Morgan was there. Scott French was certainly leading that conversation as well. We're sort of talking to Zlatan about saying, listen, I go, what you do in the regular season is great, but really it's about teams that are hot in that postseason sort of stretch that end up winning MLS Cup. And that's sort of what we've been taught to believe here in Major League Soccer. Now, how this plays out this year with the specific... Um, you know, playoffs uh, format and how they're going to do it. I mean, you're really shortening and condensing what this regular season, uh, you know, whether or not this regular season is going to have a whole bunch of meaning and whether or not the playoffs are going to have a whole bunch of meaning. Really, the advantage comes from being those home seeds, um, being the team that has those 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 higher levels in the playoff position there and is able to control their own destiny and play those games at home. That's what's going to be the advantage. So this year, it may not be right. But Zlatan had this discussion and the journalists were saying, hey, you know, this is what it is. And again, that's true in probably every prior uh, season up to this one and this one unknown because we really haven't seen this playoff format before. So, you know, that was sort of the background of what Zlatan's trying to say. But the fact that he's bringing that up is either that he thinks the journalists are idiots, um, which in this particular case they're not. 
Um, although we certainly can be on many occasions and, and certainly can be idiots uh, very easily. But, you know, Zlatan bringing it up is trying to say, oh, well, you guys are idiots that this, you know, this doesn't mean what you think it means. Um, and so that's and, and this is just it's a way to take away from in my mind, it's a way from Zlatan to take away from not talking to the game. Uh, are talking about the game that just happened. Um, you know, he says the playoffs is, is what's, you know, really important in this. And I said, my response wasn't to try to egg him on and get more of this, but to sort of bring him back down to reality that, okay, Zlatan, that's nice. Um, I said, but that doesn't sound like you. That's not who you are. And we all know that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a guy who is ultra competitive and wants to win every single game. And he certainly feels like that the game that they just had was not good enough. Um, and I said, you know, Zlatan, that doesn't sound like you. He comes back and he says, and I quote, he goes, it doesn't sound like me. You're totally right. But I told you I came to learn and I came to play the game. So I'm learning from you guys. Today was a loss. Not good. But we're in the playoffs. So we don't argue. Again, he's just, this is a deflection. This is not Zlatan checking out. This is not Zlatan saying that he doesn't, he's not trying in a game, which some of you certainly tried to pin on him. That doesn't, that has nothing to do with either of those things. The thing that Zlatan's trying to say here really is he doesn't want to talk about this game because he realizes this team is not good enough as it's constructed, and he's right, especially when you look at all the people that were missing in this game. This team, this team as it's as it's currently constructed, is not good enough, especially on that night. We looked at everything again. They didn't get outplayed. Zlatan agrees they didn't get outplayed. Um, here's what he goes on to say uh, in sort of whenever he was asked what was missing offensively. I don't remember who asked. It could have been me. It could have been, uh, you know, Adam Serrano. It could have been any of the other reporters that, I, that were there. He goes, I think first off, we're supposed to do things in a different way. We did, but as soon as we lost the ball individually, then individually lost confidence and safety to do the same thing. Um, they stood and were watching instead of taking the initiative to move around and they controlled the game. Then I dropped too much back in the first half because I felt that we were not doing the right thing, but I was too far away from the goal. And when the ball came into the box, and I'm interjecting here, mostly at the result of Zlatan's passing and movement and, and around it. So when the ball came into the box, nobody was there. So when the second I changed, we had better chances in the second half. We risked more, much more. And when you risk, the risk is that you get punished. I think the last 10 minutes were just either you score a goal or concede a goal, and we conceded the goal. That is an accurate representation of what happened in this game. Um, that is what should be the big takeaway from this game. That is what you should look at and say, okay, that's what Zlatan actually thinks of this game. Uh, I said, I think I even asked, I said, you know, but is the final score indicative of how the Galaxy played? He goes, I think it was an equal game, but obviously if you look at the 3-0 result, it looks like they uh, massacred us. I think it was an equal game, but mistakes make a difference. We made more mistakes than them and we got punished for it. If we did the right thing, what we were supposed to do, the game would be very different. Uh, whenever you go on and you say, okay, but what you what do you see needs to be improved? He says, you cannot change quality. You have the quality you have. The only thing you can change is the way you play the game. I think the coach is doing a great job. He's doing great things. In some games, it's good. Some games, it's not as good. Today was not good, and Thursday, we have another game. Then it, it gets brought here, finally, because he talks about the quality of the team, right? And that's, that's a, is it a Zlatan dig at MLS? Sure, whatever you want to say. I, it really, at this point, it's, it's exhausting trying to uh, figure out whether Zlatan is taking slights, and I think he's just being truthful about Major League Soccer quite honestly. The quality is the problem. But my question then is, okay, but for the players that were on the field that night, was the did you get the quality that you should get out of these quality of players, right? So if you're saying the quality is not as high, was it because everybody performed 100% and you didn't get what you needed, or can the team play better? Um, he goes, I think with MLS, it's special. Here's here's the thing, again, I'm interjecting in between the quotes. Um, 
here's the thing. Zlatan hits on something here that is difficult for a lot of European players, especially somebody like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who goes to teams that are you know, way better than um, than the other teams around them within the league usually. Um, and that if you lose a game anywhere along the season, then it sort of shows that maybe you're not good enough. Um, and, and that's what he's saying here. So again, I think with MLS, it's special. Today's result would say normally we are not good enough, but the opponent is not better than us. It's tricky because when you play against opponents, you feel when they're better and you feel when they're less better. I think the whole MLS is equal. It's like 50-50 every game and everything can happen just like today. Zlatan Ibrahimovic just figured out what Major League Soccer is, which is that on any given day, any team can beat any other team. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're Colorado and one of the worst teams in the league. It doesn't matter if you're New England and one of the worst teams in the league. It doesn't matter if you're Cincinnati and one of the worst teams in the league. It doesn't matter if you're LAFC, consider the best team in the league and go to Colorado and get smacked. All right, this is Major League Soccer, and it is more 50-50. And I will also add that the quality of this team is not up to the, up to the standard that Zlatan needs to be successful, uh, but it's also not the quality of where the LA Galaxy need to be successful. And you look at all the international call-ups that had people, and really, it's Uriel Antuna, it is the injury of Sebastian Legette, and it is Jonathan Dos Santos that really changed the look of this particular team uh, when they're going in and playing these games right now. And until they can get those guys back and sort of put this in this is not this is a team that has some depth at some positions uh, I would say that right back is a is a position that there seems to be some depth there. Uh, this is a team that has some depth, you know, in the central midfield, which you can go four or five people deep. And yes, there's a drop off at every single way, but there's some depth there. Uh, but they don't have any depth at striker. Uh, they don't have any depth out on the right wing right now. And with the injuries that continue to mount up, they're going to continue to be short at right wing and so whether or not the LA Galaxy and the rumors are true are going after people really is going to make or break the LA Galaxy this season I think Dennis Closa sees it I think Guillermo Barrescoloto sees it I know that Zlatan Ibrahimovic sees it for sure but Zlatan isn't here saying he's giving up all right sure he's having some fun and I called it a comedy routine um you know it's sort of Zlatan just playing to the crowd so to speak, or he's telling us journalists that we're idiots, and that's fine too, however he wants to do it. Um, but once you ask him enough questions, you get to where he actually thinks things. That The quotes at the top where he's talking about, oh, it doesn't matter, you just have to get hot in the playoffs, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's, that's him being sort of standoffish. That's him sort of uh, you know dismissing the results that they just had and understanding. Him at the, at the end, whenever he said, you know, on most nights, the, the most truthful thing that he says in this the whole time is that last quote that I sort of read, he says, it's tricky because when you play, he goes, All right, today's results would say normally we are not good enough, but when the opponent is not better than us, all right, today's results would say normally we are not good enough, but the opponent is not better than us. He's getting MLS, all right? Again, he's, start, he's understanding it, and whether or not that helps him or not, I don't know. Uh, whether it helps the LA Galaxy or not, I don't know, but he's, he's frustrated, all right? He's angry. Uh, he wants to be good. And whenever he's angry and he shows it on the field, everybody gives him crap. All right. Whenever he, he goes and, you know, people want to crucify him for everything that he does, unless he scores, unless he's a happy guy. This is Laton being a happy guy after the game um, and, and also being very frustrated and upset and angry behind that. Uh, whether or not that makes him, you know, again, I think there's rumors going around again that Zlatan is a cancer to this locker room somehow. Um, and that just, for most part, I will say that I just don't see that playing out in anybody that I talk to. Um, 
He's an ultra competitive guy. Kobe Bryant probably, you know, could have been called a cancer on teams as well. He's an ultra competitive guy. They want to win. That's all they want to do. That's all they're used to doing. And they're going to work as hard as they can individually to make sure that they win. And if other people aren't holding up their ends of the bargain, if the other people aren't as talented as them, if they can't help them get through it, then yes, there's going to be some friction there. Uh, there's always going to be some friction there. And then uh, I said that, you know, something's wrong with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, I said, I don't know whether it's injury or whether it's age, but something is wrong with Zlatan. I, I sort of told you about this. Well, apparently the newspapers in Sweden have now picked that up. Uh, and, and of course, as newspapers normally do, uh, take a little snippet out of that, which says there's something wrong with Zlatan, um, and then run with that. Apparently, it's all been major newspapers. So I only have a couple things to say to Sweden, which is, if, if you want me to come there, just send me a plane ticket, and I'll be happy to discuss Zlatan all day long. You just won't like my answers, which is that Zlatan is old. He's 37 years old, and if he has an injury, it could be something nagging, an ankle or anything else, that is what is uh, affecting him. I wouldn't be surprised, and we're never going to know that until after the season. Um, that's just one of those things Zlatan's never going to tell you. It's one of the things Galaxy are never going to tell you, and he's going to keep going out there and playing every single game, and he's not going to be 100%, and at 37 years old, it's probably pretty hard for him to be 100% ever. Um, so that's what you're getting from, the, from, from Zlatan right now, and Sweden sort of needs to wrap their head around that, that their god... Um, that they love to hate and hate to love. Um, that guy right there is is on the decline right now. Um, and that seems pretty obvious. Um, so all the newspapers can now go quote that if they feel so inclined um, as well. That the Galaxy can still have a very good team this year. Uh, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic can score more goals than anybody else in Major League Soccer. Uh, he has 11 through you know the midway plus one game point in the season. So you're looking at a 22-goal season uh, if he keeps that up. And that would put him as one of the top LA Galaxy goal scorers of all time. Um, I think Carlos Ruiz had 21. I can't remember if it's 21 or 22. I have the, the chart here. I'll look it up. And yeah, no, 24. 24. Uh, Zlatan had 22 last year. Uh, if you have another season of 22 goals from Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you got all your money worth, money's worth out of him. Uh, he's sort of hidden that slump, uh, a little bit of a decline. He had one last year as well, uh, and it's how he comes out of that. Zlatan's capable of scoring three and four goals in a game, so don't worry about that. I think he'll be there, but he needs another offensive partner. I think that's really the biggest sort of thing that we came... The, the big takeaways from this game are the LA Galaxy need those players um, that are away on international break. They need to come back in because the quality just isn't there from everything else. That gives them a little bit more offensive. But the Galaxy also need an offensive threat, and they're going to have to go out and shop and get one. Um, and that seems like that might be more difficult than everybody uh, seems to think it is. Uh, whenever we look at the LA Galaxy's weekly schedule, they did train on Monday, July 1st. They trained on July 2nd as well. Uh, they will now train on Wednesday, July 3rd uh, before heading off and playing at Dignity Health Sports Park on July July 4th, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff time against Toronto FC. That game on Spectrum Sportsnet. The Galaxy will then have Friday and Saturday off. Uh, Sunday, there will be a training session, and then Monday, uh, back to work as they get ready for more busy time for the LA Galaxy here. The international call-ups are coming to a close. Uh, it looks like, in fact, we know that Giancarlo Gonzalez and Rolf Felcher are both back with the LA Galaxy as of Tuesday. Both of those guys should be available, except that Rolf Felcher is still not 100%. Uh, according to uh, Spectrum Sportsnet's Megan Riza, she says that uh, that Rolf was injured again in the Copa America, probably whenever he was training and doing stuff, and he tried and trained today on Tuesday and will be evaluated again tomorrow if you look at that. So that means that Giancarlo is back, so he'll be available for selection on Thursday. Uh, the two guys that are still missing, however, Jonathan Dos Santos and Uriel Antuna, just barely, barely scraped by Costa Rica 
uh, in penalty kicks. Uh, the Galaxy were oh so close to getting Jonathan Dos Santos and Uriel Antuna back. I'll give you a little behind the scenes as well. As that shootout was going on and as we were waiting for players, remember this was after the LA Galaxy's game, uh, against the San Jose Earthquakes, as we're there. Um, let's see if I can get everybody who was watching a phone there, but it was uh, Kobe Jones and Joe Tutino were watching a phone, uh, watching the, the game on the phone. Um, and then uh, Chris Klein joined them, Jovan Karofsky joined them, and Dennis DeClosa joined them as well. So you had those five guys huddled around a phone sort of watching, and as players were headed to the bus, they would sort of peek over and see what was going on and how it was going. So we were sort of keeping an eye on the penalty kick situation as it was going, sort of anticipating that perhaps Jonathan Dos Santos and Uriel and Tuna could come back and play for the LA Galaxy. Uh, I was speaking to some LA Galaxy people and saying, you you really want Costa Rica to win this. And, you know, there were some counter arguments that, no, you want these guys feeling good about themselves, Jonathan Dos Santos and Uriel and Tuna. And I said, that's, I, I get, in my personal opinion, and I'll tell you right now, that's BS. The Galaxy need Jonathan Dos Santos and Uriel and Tuna back. And if they were back and coming back on Thursday and would be available for this game, you put them in here, then you can start to say, okay, the LA Galaxy should run right over Toronto. Um, but without them, I think there's more question marks than answers for that. So uh, that Mexico's still in this Gold Cup uh, playing against uh, Haiti. That game is happening tonight as I'm recording, so a 7.30 p.m. kickoff. The LA, Gal- LA Galaxy, USA, Jamaica still to play. Uh, if Haiti somehow pulls off the miracle and beats Mexico, then you might look at uh, Ariel Antuna and Jonathan Dos Santos coming back and being available Soon, I would think that Thursday is probably out of the realm of possibility, but it could happen. But Rolf Felcher back with Venezuela, Giancarlo back uh, with Costa Rica, so you get those guys back. Um, and so really just Jonathan and Uriel you're looking at getting back in, in the final sort of thing here in the Gold Cup schedule there. Um, you could see that Mexico loses to Haiti. Unlikely, I think Mexico's going to the final. Um, and then it would, you know, you have one more game, and that final is held on July 7th. So... We'll see whether or not that holds and keeps the LA Galaxy uh, players out. Remember, the LA Galaxy play again after July 4th. They play on July 12th against the San Jose Earthquakes at home again. So a homestand for the LA Galaxy coming out four games in a row. One of those is a League's Cup match, so don't get excited about that. But other than that, that's what you have for the LA Galaxy. Four home games in a row, three league games in a row for the LA Galaxy as well. So it's going to be a, uh, a busy time, but a home time for the LA Galaxy as they come up on this stuff. Uh, other injury updates, according to Megan Riza, who's out at training today, Chris Pontius will be out for the next three weeks with a hamstring in- injury. Sebastian Legette did not train as he's working out that pelvis injury. I don't think he's going to be available to go on July 4th. That certainly doesn't seem the way. And Joe, Joe Corona had the day off and will train tomorrow, just giving him an extra breather there. Uh, played a lot of minutes on those legs. So that's sort of where we sit with the LA Galaxy and their injury situation. Now let's quickly transfer, and, and I say transfer, quickly move over to the transfer for rumors um, and the LA Galaxy were in hot pursuit of uh, Christian Pavon. Um, here is sort of the latest that we're seeing and it's reported out there. I have no individual reporting on this. This one is a difficult one. A lot of these rumors are coming out of Argentina. I will say that I believe the LA Galaxy are still interested in Pavon. Uh, that's sort of where I'm going with that. Uh, but Boca have apparently denied the offer for $12 million and 50% of Pavon um, and they want more. 
Um, and basically it's that they want more and they said, you know, they're not in the interest of selling, you know, 50% of a player to for $12 million to a league that really doesn't sell people on. So that is a, a criticism of Major League Soccer, perhaps, although I would argue that Boca hasn't been paying attention to what happens with young players who play well. Uh, there absolutely is a sell-on in this particular case, and there absolutely could be a financial payoff for Boca Juniors. So I feel like this is a lot of posturing right now. So they say they don't want to sell Pavone. Pavone doesn't want to stay at Boca Juniors. Boca Juniors doesn't have a place for Pavone on the starting lineup, so they're going to continue to either loan him out or not use him and sit him on the bench, and that doesn't help him either, and that's not going to help his his value anymore. So Boca is sitting on a depreciating asset as far as they're concerned, whereas at least if they sold him to Major League Soccer in the LA Galaxy, there's a possibility of appreciation there. Um, the worst case scenario is that Boca gets $12 million from the LA Galaxy, um, and they use that to, to you know shore up whatever holes that they seem uh, that they need fit. And they are sort of in a desperate time in terms of they just lost another final. They need to make changes. They need to win things. Uh, they need money. Um, and Pavone is an asset that currently it looks like only the LA Galaxy want, which is maybe a red flag. Could be a red flag. Um, but I think that the number that Boca's thinking at $24 million at one point was $40 million, but at $24 million for a player that's on their bench, there's just not a market for a $24 million player. I think the Galaxy are in that market because, one, they think that Pavone can play in Major League Soccer. Two, it's with Guillermo Barrascoloto, who did well with Pavone um, earlier in, in his career and so understands the player and understands how they could use him. But certainly the LA Galaxy looking for that right-sided, attack-minded player. Um, you could be looking at tactics from both sides because now it seems that the LA Galaxy, um, at least according to Argentinian reports, are going after another Argentine. Um, and we don't know what that name is, and that could not be an Argentine. It could be somebody from Portugal as well because the rumors out there right now is the 35-year-old right-winger Ricardo Quaresma um, is being linked to the LA Galaxy as well, and you sit there and go, 35 years old, get out of here. Uh, he has one year left on his contract with Besiktas. Um, his market value, at least according to Transfer Market, is about $1.1 million. Certainly sits within the LA Galaxy's range. Um, you're looking at a six-month rental. Um, or sixth month signing on this uh, with his one year left on his contact with, you know, Besiktas, um, he could possibly eke out some time uh, for the LA Galaxy in, in, in the next 12 months, really, or next 18 months at 35. Um, if you go back and look at his injury history, it's nothing that's major. I mean, he's missed four games in the 2018-2019 season. That wasn't much. I mean, and even with some of the, you know, the issues that he seems to have had, there's some ligament issues, there's some muscular problems, but you have to go back to like 2011 and 2012 to really find when there were significant playing time missed. So at 35 years old, um, a guy who is you know supremely talented, uh, you know was a was a, was a great player for his national team at one point or another. Um, this is and he fits in that correct in that in that area. The LA Galaxy are looking. I mean, you look at with Legette hurt with Pontius hurt. Who's going to play right? You know, who's going to play at the right? Uh, you could bring Ariel and Tuna in and play at the right and have Boateng play on the left, which we've seen. Um, but really, that's that's a Band-Aid answer more than anything else. So um, could Karezma, you know, come in and and be that guy um, to link up with Zlatan Ibrahimovic? They played together before. This could be 
um, a real thing. I, I wanted to dismiss it at first because it, it, I felt like it didn't make sense, at least in my mind. But the more I look at it, um, the more it, it may make sense. Uh, the same agent, um, the charisma has also is Cristiano Ronaldo's agents, Jaimez Rodriguez, Diego Costa, Falcao. Um, so, you know, you're talking about a pretty high profile agent here, one that's more than willing to sort of, I believe, deal with the LA Galaxy um, and with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and, and pairing those together. Again, this could be a Band-Aid signing. If this is a Band-Aid signing, you sit there and say, okay, the Galaxy don't have to clear a designated player spot in order to get uh, Quaresma because he's not going to be a designated player. Um, the Galaxy don't have to, you know, they just have to free up an international slot, really, um, and bring him into this game. And now all of a sudden you have a starting uh, right midfielder. It makes some sense in terms of a Band-Aid move. Everybody knows where the Yellow Galaxy are weak. It's at that right midfield position. They get some creativity and some goal-scoring chances from there. Certainly some assist-minded um, players as well. It, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. If you're asking me for a star rating, I haven't put it on the rumor tracker yet because I haven't done any sort of... Uh, I haven't been able to confirm that the Galaxy are talking. And so then if, if it can't do that, it's kind of hard. But I would put this in the two and three star range to start with and possibly move it up to four depending on what we find out later this week. So the Galaxy are in need. He's in a position of need. Yes, he's 35. And you sit there and go, oh, an old European at 35, blah, 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 all the other things. Um, all I know is that uh, the Portuguese hammer here is, is so excited he can possibly... He can't possibly contain himself. Um, so just sort of keep that in mind. So those are sort of your rumors as they go. Again, the Galaxy are rumored uh, to be going after another Argentine striker or an Argentine attacking option. Um, that was sort of uh, listed along in the Pavone deal That now that they're not going to do it. But that could also be posturing from the LA Galaxy. I feel like both teams are posturing right now. The Galaxy don't have to get this deal done. Really can't get it done until July 9th. You still have five days. So why not let Boca sit there and think that they're not interested in Pavone anymore? And if you're the LA Galaxy, why don't you start investigating guys like, you know, Karezma and, and, and sort of try to figure that out um, and, and see if that's a viable option. And if not, at least Boca knows that you don't, that this isn't the only, you know, horse that you're hooking your cart to. Um, you know, Pavone could either come or could not come. Uh, for the LA Galaxy, it might be better to get Pavone in the wintertime. Um, so there's, they're not under the gun here. What they are under the gun is that they need to make a deal in the summertime. They need to make one relatively soon, especially as they start to get guys back from international duty. The roster fills up, but these injuries right now the LA Galaxy have are, are, are getting to almost an untenable sort of position. The Galaxy can't continue with this and being short at that right midfield role. And so going after a guy who's 35 years old from Europe, uh, Karajma, it, it might might be... Uh, an answer there. So that's just something to sort of keep your eye on. Don't get upset about it. Um, it might actually be a good short-term move. You're not looking at a long-term move here, uh, especially not at 35 years old, whether it's six months or 18 months. 18 months, you start to question it a little bit more. Depending on the price tag, all those things sort of matter. And is Besiktas going to want anything in return as well? Uh, Eastern Conference standings right now have the Philadelphia Union 32 points sitting at that top. DC United in second, Montreal Impact in third, and Atlanta United in fourth. Toronto, who's coming up on July fourth sits seventh in the Eastern Conference and the last team in the league and the Eastern Conference is FC Cincinnati um, who the LA Galaxy beat last week. Um, whenever you're looking at the Western Conference it's still LAFC six points clear of the LA Galaxy. Galaxy missing an opportunity to climb within three points of LAFC. Uh, that didn't happen so at 1.72 points per game the LA Galaxy are in second place in points per game and in points in the Western Conference and that means they're currently tied for third right now. Um 
in the supporter shield. Uh, Seattle Sounders sitting at 29 points. Uh, FC Dallas at 26. San Jose Earthquakes at 25. Minnesota at 24. Houston at 24. Real Salt Lake at 23. Portland at 20. Vancouver at 20. Colorado at 19. And Sporting KC at 19 as well. The Western Conference, as I said earlier, is absolutely jam-packed, and there's not a lot that separates any of those teams from each other. Uh, supporter shield standings, LAFC still, you know, Five points ahead of Philadelphia Union and six points ahead of the LA Galaxy in the Supporters Shield standings. They have a ridiculously busy schedule coming up. In fact, they have two games played, I think, in three days coming up uh, very shortly. So uh, the chance for the LA Galaxy to get hot would be now, and that could start with their Thursday game against the against Toronto FC on July 4th. You have the San Jose Earthquakes again at home on Friday, July 12th. Then it is the first El Trafico of the 2019 season. LAFC Friday, July 19th at Dignity Health Sports Park. That game nationally televised on ESPN. And then the Galaxy go quickly on my birthday, July 23rd, uh, into Club Tijuana uh, with the League's Cup and whatever that means and whoever that plays. Uh, Away to Portland on Saturday, July 27th. Then August 3rd, away at Atlanta. August 11th, away at DC United. And then home to FC Dallas, home to Seattle, and away to LAFC. The schedule is getting get tough. It's getting condensed. Everybody's going to have to live through it. It's going to be survivors coming through the second half of the season, not necessarily thrivers. Uh, the LA Galaxy now getting ready to face off against Toronto FC on Thursday, July 4th, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff time. Uh, 23rd season in a row that the LA Galaxy have hosted a July 4th game and the second ever time the LA Galaxy will play against um Toronto FC. Uh, Toronto is coming off of a 1-1 draw that should not have been a 1-1 draw against DC United. That was in DC. That game basically was a you know stoppage time penalty kick to Wayne Rooney that tied that game up. So it would have meant that had they won that game, that Toronto would have beaten Atlanta uh, 3-2 and then would have gone to uh, DC United and beaten them as well. So whenever you look at sort of the, the stats I'm about to give you, put keep that in mind and, and sort of understanding. Uh, the LA Galaxy 10-7-1, 31 points, 6-3-0 at home, but have a three-game losing streak at home. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, Toronto FC is 6-7-5 for 23 points. They are 2-4-2 two, and two on the road with eight points uh, and are 1-1-3 one, one, and three in their last five games. Here's the really crazy one. Uh, they're either, however you want to look at it, winners of two of their last 11 or one of their last 10 games. That's it. And having said that, I said keep that with a grain of salt because, as I've said, beat Atlanta 3-2 should have probably beat D.C. United, uh, two upper-level Eastern Conference teams that Toronto should have done you know, maybe a little bit better against D.C. United, and that would have been uh, something to see there. So uh, the LA Galaxy winners of four of their last 11 games, so not much better. The last win uh, at Cincinnati and, of course, the last loss at San Jose. Uh, the leading goal scorers, Latan Ibrahimovic on the Galaxy side and Alejandro Pozuelo, seven goals since coming into the league. He has eight assists as well. He is clearly their best player and as long as the U.S. is still in the Gold Cup, I don't expect uh, guys like Michael Bradley and Josie Altador to come back and quickly play in this game. Now, having said that, uh, the U.S. plays on Wednesday night um, and so it's probably unlikely that if they get knocked out of that, that suddenly Michael Bradley and Josie Altador are going to fly to L.A. Uh, and be part of that game, but it's at least something to sort of understand. They're going to be missing some internationals in the L.A. Galaxy uh, more than likely missing the uh, the duo of Jonathan Dos Santos and Aurel and Tuna as well. We already gave you all of the injuries that are there. Alessandrini, Felcher, Leggett, Pontius. We're still sort of checking on Shelvick as well. Remember, he had a toe injury. Uh, Guillermo said that he should be back to training this week. I didn't see any acknowledgement that he was training. 
but that's something to sort of keep an eye on. Uh, these two teams met in 2015 on July 4th. That was a 4-0 win for the LA Galaxy, and that came at the hands of one Mr. Robbie Keane, scoring a hat trick in that particular game, and Sebastian Legette tacked on a stoppage time goal as well. So back in the good old days as you go. Uh, the Galaxy at uh, in L.A. against Toronto are 5 Two and two, uh, and then all time six, five, and six against Toronto since they've joined the league. So um, some success there against Toronto. Certainly some success in LA. Some success on July fourth. All things are sort of leading to the LA Galaxy having a good game. But Alejandro Pozuelo is good enough to really trouble almost everybody. Um, and whether or not the Galaxy can control him, uh, whether or not they'll have the midfield to be able to control him and sort of put the brakes on him is certainly going to be a question. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a bit of a uh, a more difficult lineup whenever you look at Toronto and who they're playing. Whenever you don't have guys like Michael Bradley and Josie Altador in that particular uh, you know lineup, uh, you have Pozuelo out there, De Leon. Um, you know, Simon is back there on defense, and then the goalkeeping. You know, it used to be Alex Bono back there, um, but it looks like now it is uh, Westberg as well. So Quentin Westberg has two shutouts, thirty saves, fifty shots faced as well. Uh, David Bingham, six shutouts, 64 saves, 88 shots faced. Uh, he started and played in every single game. So that's sort of where you look. Uh, from In my mind, this is a game the LA Galaxy really need to win. One, it's because to win in front of the home fans is something they haven't done in three games. So to break that sort of three-game losing streak at home is important. Um, I'm quickly being concerned by the LA Galaxy's lack of draws as well. Uh, the ability to fight back in games and get at least a point on the road or to fight back and get at least a point even if it's at home uh, means the world of difference in a lot of these games. Uh, the Galaxy seem to be all or nothing right now. They either score the first goal and go on and win the game or... They concede the first goal and they lose the game, um, and that's too black and white. It's too you know you know on and off for me uh, in terms of what a good team is. The eye test is telling you the LA Galaxy are struggling. Certainly, they're missing the quality, and I, I think that's going to be evident again against this Toronto team. Um, but whenever you look at who Toronto is going to line up in this game and who the LA Galaxy should be able to line up and understand that the schedule congestion is a little bit more in the favor of the LA Galaxy right now than it is in Toronto's, I think that you have to look there and say, okay, you know, the LA Galaxy have a chance. Last time the Galaxy played Toronto, September 15, 2018, Toronto uh, in Toronto was a 5-3 win, uh, very lopsided. The last time uh, the LA Galaxy played at home against Toronto, a 4-0 win for Toronto. Uh, the last time, if you go back to 2016, Toronto beat LA one to nothing. So you have to go back, you know, three years, um, 2018, 2017, 2016, all losses to Toronto and Toronto has certainly been gaining some speed in that until you go back to July 4th, 2015 and the four nothing win and then October 4th, 2014, uh, an LA three nothing win. So it's been a while since the galaxy have, have had some success with Toronto. The international absences might be working in favor of the LA galaxy in this particular game, but Looking at Atlanta and looking at D.C., you can certainly understand that the L.A. Galaxy um, could have some troubles with Toronto as it comes down. All right. Uh, I think that about does it. I expect the L.A. Galaxy to win this game. Uh, this feels like a win. This feels like a frustration win that all of these things sort of combining together have led to the L.A. Galaxy, you know, coming together just before they sort of get back all of their internationals ahead of that game against the San Jose Earthquakes. Ahead, their first of four home games that they're going to play, three in league and one in the League's Cup. Um, so all of these things sort of lead to that momentum shifting in their direction, and hopefully that run happens. I mean, if you see the L.A. Galaxy get on three wins here, uh, in a row, you can you can start to say, okay, playoffs are guaranteed. Where's the positioning now? Um, that's what you want to see because I think there's going to be a lot of mediocrity down the stretch here in this second half for Major League Soccer. All right, <clears throat> I think that about does it. 
I'm trying to think. We, we covered everything. Um, there's no other show this week, okay? So the game is on Thursday night. We won't have anything uh, on over the weekend. Uh, we'll be back on Monday um, and get you ready for the LA Galaxies next week and leading up to that San Jose game. So it'll be another uh, corner of the galaxy from the box. We'll see whether or not uh, Kevin is back in town. I think he might actually get in that day, so we're probably not going to see him on that day, but maybe the next week after that. But two shows next week to sort of get you back to a regular schedule. Um, but this week, because of the Thursday night, this is the one you get as we're recording on a Tuesday, so everything should work out. If you're looking for me, you can find me at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can get all of our recaps, previews, and everything you need to know about the LA Galaxy right there, cornerofthegalaxy.com, including our podcasts and our videos and all of our live shows as well. So no show coming up on Thursday. We'll all be at a game. It'll be July 4th. Hopefully we'll see you out there. Uh, let's see. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, who was all the way over in France covering the Women's World Cup, I'm Josh Gessman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.